If you ever thought you heard one thing but ended up being wrong, you can relate to this guy. One night, he ordered his entree at a restaurant, and the waiter then asked if he wanted a super salad. So he said yes. I mean, who wouldn't want a super salad? The waiter repeated, soup or salad? So the guy responded with a firmer yes. The waiter then asked, salad or soup? Ah. Communication can be tricky, and it's easy to get it wrong. But when there's more writing on it than a soup or salad, we need to get it right. I'm Larie Florence, and I'll be your host of episode 126 of the Happiness Playbook, where we'll be sharing tips on how you can be a better listener and have more effective communication. Before we get to that, though, we need to check in with our team happiness huddle. How did you do with last week's play of the week? Were you able to use Tony Overbay's four pillars of a connected conversation? Let's review those really quick. Number one, assume the other's good intentions. Two, accept the other's perception as their truth. Three, ask questions before making comments. Four, don't go into victim mode or don't be defensive. I highly recommend reviewing those steps frequently. It takes focus and effort to apply them, but man, is it worth it if you want to have rich relationships that are validating and rewarding. All right, today we're going to dive deeper into that second pillar of a connected conversation, accepting the other person's perceptions as their truth, and we're going to consider how it relates to the four play theory principles. Let's talk about the first thing you'll need to be able to accept another person's perception of truth. You need to be able to listen and clearly hear them. Misunderstandings happen. Despite having more ways of communication available than ever in the history of the world, effective communication can still be tricky. Have you ever used the handy, efficient microphone tool to dictate a text and then not proofread it before sending it? How about this one? Good morning. You are beautiful and amazing. I love you and dream about the fewer. Oh my gosh. I meant future. All right, here's another one. A kid texting. Hey, where did you go? Mom replies, I'm just defecating outside. Want to come help? Kid, ooh, gross. You know we have a toilet inside. Mom, ha ha, decorating. I'm decorating outside. All right, one last one because it's so relatable after all of these atmospheric rivers we've been having here in Northern California. Text from mom. Weatherman says to prepare for flamingos this weekend. Kid replying, oh no, anything but flamingos. Mom, ha, funny, this phone is so silly. Kid, phew, that's a relief. I was unsure how to prepare for the bird invasion. Okay, in these examples, it's easy to see where autocorrect got it wrong. But do we do ourselves in sometimes by not listening correctly? Can you listen wrong? Can you autocorrect yourself wrong or autocorrect what someone else is saying wrong? Here's some fun examples of song lyrics that are often heard incorrectly. Can you relate to any of these? 
Our first example is Drift Away by Uncle Cracker. Instead of hearing, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul, some people hear, give me the beach, boys, and free my soul. Here's another one. This is a favorite for me because I have sung this one out loud for many a years. It's Dancing Queen by ABBA. Personally, for me, the lyrics are clear. It's, see that girl, watch that scene, dig in the dancing queen. But apparently some people here see that girl, watch her scream, kick in the dancing queen. All right, here's another one by Johnny Nash. It's the song, I Can See Clearly. A lot of people wonder who Lorraine is. I can see clearly. Maybe it's because I grew up in Seattle, but for me, it's always been really clear it was when the rain was gone, not Lorraine was gone. Sometimes communication is meant to be blurry because we don't want to say what we're really thinking because we don't want to have people pass judgment. In the Beatles song, I Want to Hold Her Hand, they claim that they're saying, I can't hide. But a lot of people hear, I get high, which would have been inappropriate at the time the Beatles recorded the song. What do you think they're saying? Here's one from my personal experience. When I was young, I would have sworn on a stack of Bibles that the song Escape by Rupert Holmes was about Mexican food. What do you hear when you listen to this line? In my youth, I had no idea what a piña colada was, but I knew what a bean enchilada was. So that's what I heard. Have you ever been surprised that you were hearing the lyric to a song completely wrong? If you have, please share your story with us by messaging us at The Happiness Playbook or leaving a comment for this episode on playtheory.org. And while you're there, go ahead and leave us a five-star review or a rating click those five stars. We would love it. It really helps with the algorithm. The more activity there is, it gets the podcast in front of more people. All right. So these examples of misunderstanding song lyrics are fun, but not all misunderstandings are entertaining or positive. And despite our best efforts, they still happen. Looking outwards and using Tony Overbay's first pillar of a connected conversation accepting that the other person has good intentions will help. It's all too easy to take offense at a poorly worded or brief text, especially when we're inwardly focused instead of looking outwards towards others and seeking to find fault. I know I've received a few texts that the meaning changed completely 
when I took a minute and reread it, picturing the person sending it, standing in front of me, sharing that same message with a kindly smile. Ever wonder why those emojis are so popular? They can really help set the emotional tone of a texted conversation, conveying cues that we miss when we're not standing in front of the person. This kind of communication takes effort and energy, and it's necessary if we are going to apply the second pillar that Tony talks about, accepting the other person's perception as their reality. The fact is, if you don't listen to what someone is saying about their perception, then how can you accept it as their reality? Notice, I'm not saying that you have to accept it as reality, but as their perception of reality. Understanding what their perception is will take, well, understanding. And understanding will take listening, effective listening. And here's where the first principle of play theory comes in. We have to be present with the other person and really focus in on what they're trying to communicate to us. Don't jump ahead into what you want to say or fall back into what you thought happened or you thought you heard. Stay in the current moment and really hear them. Hear what they're saying and be in the current moment. This kind of outward focus on another takes a lot of effort, and that's why it's so important that we practice the play theory principles. These four principles are also attributes that need to be cultivated and developed. You might say practiced. Okay, so we are there with that other person that we value, and we are looking outward at their needs and doing our best to really listen and hear them. And what do we hear? We hear bean enchilada instead of pina coladas. They are perceiving something differently than we do. Now what? We can accept it. Again, we don't have to agree that their truth is absolute truth for everyone on the planet. But we can say, you hear bean enchiladas. I hear pina coladas. You say tomato, I say tomato. It can be super frustrating when you know you're right and they're wrong. But are you sure you're right? Have you ever been so sure and then found out that you were wrong? That's a bad feeling. And science is shedding light on how the way we process memories can lead us to believe in an absolute truth that just isn't so. But because our brains filed an event in a certain way, it's seen as a truth by us. Studies have shown that we can have false memories and that we can get details wrong. Two people at the same event will notice different details and therefore remember it differently. This is one reason it's so important to accept that others see things differently than we do. That's why we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Most people even if they have the details wrong, are not intentionally trying to be misleading. Of course, here's a disclaimer, we do need to be aware that there are people who will take advantage of our perception that most people are not on the take. 
but in conversations with our friends and loved ones, we can give them the benefit of believing that they are sharing what they believe is a truth. Here's one that happened to me recently. Just this week, we saw the musical, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, with my daughter Adeline and her husband. Before the show started, she was telling my husband and I that we had seen it previously on a trip to London. I remember the trip, and I remember seeing other plays, but I did not remember this play. I told her that I didn't remember seeing it, but I could be wrong. She was insistent that we had seen it together, and she shared details about the play. I believed that she had seen it, but I don't believe that I saw it with her. As the show began and we watched it, my husband and I confirmed that we didn't remember anything about it. In an intermission, we told Adeline that we really didn't recall seeing it. Then the second half started, and there was something about the scene with the dinner table and the doors and going back and forth between the rooms that tickled my memory. Had I seen it? I had to admit that it was possible. I remember being exhausted on that trip. There were long days, and my husband is prone to dozing off, even during an exciting movie. Had we both dozed off for the first half of the show? During that evening's performance, Adeline's husband had dozed off during one of the funniest scenes, so I realized it was possible. We concluded that we still don't know if my husband and I had seen the play before, and Adeline accepted that that it was possible that she had seen it with my son while my husband and I stayed back at our hotel. And we were all okay leaving it with not knowing and accepting that she could be right and we could be wrong, or we could be right and she could be wrong. Because we all value each other more than being right, we could leave it at that. I am genuinely curious if Adeline's right, but not because I want to prove her wrong. I honestly just don't remember. Could there be other instances that we don't remember? Could we have hurt another person and not noticed it or later forgotten it? If they remember it or if they perceive that we've hurt them, then we need to accept that their reality is that they feel hurt even if we don't remember it or even if we didn't do it intentionally. And if you think about it, if we are truly looking outward and have no malintent, then even if we did hurt someone unintentionally, we should feel even greater remorse that they were hurt by us If we're truly looking outward towards them, saying sorry would not be hard, whether it's an imagined pain on their part or if it's justified. Either way, both hurt. And if we're looking outward, we'll feel sorry for them because they hurt. Consider a child who needs comfort due to an imagined or misunderstood scenario. Maybe it's a monster under the bed or being fearful of a dental cleaning. The solution is to hear them, then acknowledge their fear or concern, and then offer them comfort. The truth alone is not enough. The truth without comfort won't comfort. 
So we need to look outward, accept their perception as their reality, and move forward from there. If they're terrified of a monster, demanding or insisting that there is not a monster won't work. Acknowledging their fear and assuring them that you'll protect them and that you really don't think there are monsters under the bed will be more helpful. Redirecting their thoughts to happier times and reminding them of other safe nights spent in that same room will be more effective than telling them that what they think, feel, and believe is not true. Consider how invalidating it is to say, stop thinking that way. It's the antithesis of looking outward and instead is a reflection of a selfish desire to control another person by demanding that they accept your perception, rejecting their own feelings and experience. I want to end with one time that I got it right. As a first-time mom, there are so many unknowns and consequent struggles. One day, I had done everything I could to ensure a safe, calm outing to do some much-needed shopping with my 10-month-old daughter, Aurora, in tow. We were doing pretty good. I had the shopping cart loaded, and I just needed to get to the checkout. For no reason that was apparent to me, Aurora could not take it anymore and she sat down on the store floor and started to cry. I tried to pick her up, but she would kick and continue to cry, drawing unwanted attention to my inability to properly parent. As the volume of her cries intensified, so did my desperation. I was tempted to grab her in my arms and run out of the store, abandoning my cart, but I was sincerely worried about people accusing me of stealing her. So I sat down with her, and intently sought to understand her need. I knew she wasn't crying for no reason. As I calmed myself and focused on her, I had the thought to take off her shoes. I wondered if maybe her feet had started to hurt, and that was why she had started to cry. Lo and behold, when I removed the shoes, which were new, There was a big red mark where the seam of her socks had been rubbing into her tender little toes. As the shoes came off, the tears stopped, and my happy toddler reappeared. We carried on with our errand and happily returned home, enriched with a far greater treasure than could be purchased with any worldly currency. My little girl was experiencing pain. She was communicating this to me, to the best of her ability. No cajoling or demanding that she stop crying helped. Denying her reality of being in pain would have only invalidated her and eroded her trust in our relationship. I'm so grateful that in that moment, I remembered that we all see things with our own eyes. My little girl's reality was hurting her, even if I couldn't see it with my eyes. And I am so grateful that I accepted that it was real to her. So here's this week's play of the week. When you're not understanding or seeing another's truth, try to imagine standing in their shoes. Or to say it another way, try looking outward beyond your own perception and accept what their perception is 
even if you don't agree with it. An example could be listening to a family member that feels a lot of anxiety about a political issue that you don't perceive as a threat. Accept that they do feel fear and concern, and instead of denying their feelings about the issue, offer your support for their well-being and express your love and hope for their improved emotional state. I hope this episode gave you some new perspective to consider. Sometimes when I'm teaching the fourth principle of play theory, look outward, I summarize by saying we need to use all of the previous principles in order to look outward. We need to be present to be a good listener so that we can better understand others. We need to let go and play so that we can let go of our self-interest and be curious about others' needs. We need to accept and build in order to accept where others are and build the relationship from there. When we're doing all three of these play theory principles, then we're able to look outward and truly see others' needs. And when we do that, they will feel valued and validated and our relationship will improve. I hope this motivates you to keep practicing these principles in your day-to-day life because as we say, happiness isn't something that happens to you. It's something that you make happen. And I think we can add that great relationships don't just happen. We make them happen as we practice this validating and unifying principles. So get after it and make happiness a priority in your life.